Why do you think a Protestant evangelical pastor would encourage someone to move away from their Protestant beliefs and join the Catholic Church? Well, this is what happened to me 20 years ago. I'll explain it to you coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. All right, so why would a Protestant pastor tell me to, <laughs> to join the Catholic Church? Well, going back to 2003, I was working at a Christian radio station in Salem, Oregon, and a new general manager was hired for the station. His name was Troy. Uh, he was about maybe 10 years older than me, and we just clicked right away. You know, not only colleagues, but we just became good friends. And Troy, he was also an ordained Baptist minister. He'd been the pastor for a couple of Southern Baptist churches in Kentucky, but he also had a communications degree, and he loved radio. He loved broadcasting. So when he got hired, it was about the same time there where I had been starting to learn about Catholicism. I was reading books. I was, you know, uh, uh, going online, finding out more about what the Catholic Church believed. Troy and I, we would have conversations. Uh, sometimes that would last hours. You know, we might be talking late into many evenings while we were working there at the station, discussing theology, scripture, so many different issues related to the faith. And they would always be friendly conversations, friendly debates. Most of the time, though, I was taking the Catholic perspective on things. Well, so Troy, he stayed at the radio station for less than a year before he decided he wanted to return to Kentucky. He and his family, they moved back out there. He resumed being a pastor for a Baptist church, but we would still talk regularly over the phone. And the conversations, they'd range into all kinds of areas, but almost certainly at some point in each conversation, we'd come back to Christian beliefs, me debating on the Catholic side of things. Now, after Troy had left around that time, I began attending our CIA classes at our local parish. And we were getting closer and closer to Easter, but I got nervous and I backed out of the program. I met with the priest who was leading the classes and I explained everything uh, from my, my side. It was just moving too fast for me. I needed some time to think. I needed to be able to pray. Is this really where God was leading me? Is he leading me into the Catholic Church? And the priest was wonderful, a wonderful South African priest named Father Dawson. And he said, no, Josh, just take your time and you know, pray. Just pray and trust God. And uh, so that's what I did. I walked away, and Easter came and went. I was not received into the church. And it might have been a month, month and a half, two months later after Easter, and during one of our phone calls, Troy and I talking, going back and forth in a conversation where I, again, was kind of, you know, taking that Catholic perspective, Troy stopped and he asked me, he said, Josh, why aren't you Catholic yet? And I was completely caught off guard because I always expected Troy to tell me never to become Catholic. You know, the Catholic Church, oh, it's not true to Scripture, or it's full of a bunch of people who worship Mary and the saints. And these were things that I many times over had explained to Troy, you know, their misconceptions of, of what Catholics believe. So, but that question, why wasn't I Catholic? I thought about it for a moment, and I said to him, you know, it's probably because I feel like I don't know enough. I'll become Catholic, and then I'll find out the next week or the next month that there's some heretical teaching that I missed, and I'll realize I've made a horrible mistake. 
And Troy responded, he said, you know, Josh, if that's what's holding you back, you're never going to know enough. But you explain Catholic teachings articulately, and the things that you're telling me, there's nothing that I'm hearing from you that contradicts the core of Christianity, uh, nothing that, that doesn't keep Jesus as the central focus, as God. And hearing Troy's simple question and then his comment that I'll never know enough, this helped me to let go of what I think at that point in my life was kind of this intellectual pride that was stopping me from allowing God to work in my life. I ended up giving it over to God in prayer, and God very soon afterwards gave me peace and a true gift of faith. And since I had already been through RCIA, I was actually able to be received into the church later that summer. I'm sure that Troy didn't realize it at the time, but he was helping to guide me into the Catholic Church, not because he was Catholic, not because he was a big champion of the Catholic Church. No, he merely wanted me to follow God. He wanted me to be willing to understand where God might be leading me. Have you had someone in your life like that, helping to guide you in that same sort of way spiritually? Maybe someone a little older, a little you know, more mature in their faith, that fellow Catholic, that fellow Christian, who's taken time to help you have a little better understanding of where God might be leading you. Well, today is the memorial of two saints, Timothy and Titus two different bishops in the early church who had the Apostle Paul as their spiritual mentor and their spiritual father. And today, we want to take this hour of the inner life to discuss the importance of those spiritual mentors in our lives. And joining us is our spiritual director today, Father Michael Hurley, is back here with us on the inner life. Father Michael is a Dominican priest. He's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to the inner life. Great to be back, Josh. (laughs) Your story was amazing. Are you still in contact with Troy? You know, uh, not nearly as as much. Um, But, you know, we'll talk, it seems like, uh, every once or twice a year, something like that. The last time I talked, uh, his wife actually had been going through chemotherapy treatments. Mm -hmm. um, And thank God, you know, she was making good progress. And it looks like she's kind of on the road to recovery from cancer that she was battling. So yeah, yeah, we still have, you know, some contact, not just not as frequent as it was then. Sure. Yeah. Because it's interesting. Sometimes we have spiritual mentors and they are at a very particular time in our life and they make all the difference. And it's kind of like, it sounds like this really kind of gave you the the, the nudge you needed from the Lord, but then they, they don't necessarily, I mean, even though you stay in touch, you know, you kind of, life brings you in a different direction. And then there's others that come up. In other words, sometimes we can romanticize the notion of a, a spiritual mentor as, a, as you know, as like a family member who will be, you know, with us for the, for all of our lives. But sometimes the Lord just moves people in and out of our lives, both to be mentors and mentees. And so that's, that's a great story. Yeah, well, and maybe we can pick up on that, uh, too, because that, that really has been my experience of, you know, people who come into my life and, and they're just there for a specific season. It's not this kind of ongoing thing. But um, maybe before we do that, since I mentioned, you know, it's the Memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus, um, maybe we can start there, looking at the way that St. Paul was a mentor to both of them. And uh, I guess, can you tell us a little of what we know about both Timothy and Titus? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. No. Um, so Paul, you have to understand, Paul, when he comes into the church, is we celebrated yesterday the conversion of St. Right. Paul. <laughs> so let's just say there were some suspicious folks <laughs> when he came uh, into the kind of into the group and it was Barnabas uh, mostly that kind of vouched for him and got him got him started <laughs> but as he began to kind of prove himself so to speak uh, Paul began to take on uh, kind of mentors himself and so Timothy is uh, was is very close to personally was um, uh, someone he probably met as a teenager to Timothy being a teenager and uh, his uh, mother and his grandmother were both uh, Jewish and so and and very much involved in uh, this love of scriptures and stuff that so Paul has an affection not only for Timothy but for Timothy's mom uh, Lois and Eunice the grandmother who he actually mentions in one of his letters by name um, and he then accompanies Paul on and this is in Lystra where where, where Timothy is from uh, and he accompanies Paul through all the big <laughs> all the known places that we have letters from so in Corinth uh, and Galatia and Thessalonica uh, and ultimately in Ephesus where Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus ordains him a bishop and then continues on because he, he doesn't feel like he can leave but he knows he has to push further so he leaves he leaves his heart if you will as he says there in Ephesus and then after he's arrested and then released, as is Paul, uh, ends up writing him a, a letter to persevere in the faith and gives him as one of the pastoral letters, a kind of um, both encouragement, uh, a little um, challenge, uh, and just kind of a cheerleader for him. And so that's, that, was, that, that was kind of Timothy's relationship of kind of mentor-mentee and frankly father-son. That's what, what, what Paul says is calls uh, Timothy a spiritual son. Uh, Titus, uh, on the other hand, is someone who by tradition, uh, even some there's some traditions that he actually, as uh, a young boy, actually heard Jesus, uh, a part of the contingent of Greeks that were there when Jesus says, "Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and die," uh, but was not, you know, did not a disciple, just a young boy at that time. But is later baptized by Paul. He's he's Greek, so both both his parents are Greek, and he, uh, the Paul, in his connection is is um, anywhere he's traveling where he needs an interpreter or kind of, if you will, a face towards. Uh, uh, the Gentile crowd, uh, Titus is very helpful for Paul in being kind of a, a spokesperson uh, and kind of the, the face of the ministry, so to speak. Uh, sometimes we think of Paul as being the face of the ministry, and he was, but but you remember when he was uh, well, when he was traveling, first of all, with Barnabas, everyone thought Barnabas was 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 uh, Zeus, right? And, and he was Hermes, just the kind of the little spokesman. So so t t Titus was, was very much uh, involved in that Greek-speaking ministry. And so he was uh, ultimately the bishop of Crete, uh, and his letter is really in a distillation of St. Paul's ability to um, organize kind of the church in terms of how do you ordain a bishop? What, what kind of qualities do you need in the church hierarchy? What sorts of um, hot button issues do you have to look out for? How does a church grow? So how do you affect spiritual growth from the sense of being a, a bishop or a leader, an elder of the church? And so that, that's kind of the, just in general, the, uh, and but just one way to cap it off, but Timothy, Timothy, the last letter, Paul knows he's in a dungeon in Rome, he knows he's going to die, and he writes Timothy the most beautiful uh, letter, basically just saying he knows his, he, he pleads with him to come and visit him uh, because he knows his, his time is, is short and, and there's a real affection for him. And so Paul, let's just face it, he, he, ran, he runs a little hot in his ministry and he goes through lots of, uh, lots of companions, but with Timothy, He's one who kind of softens Paul a little bit and really gives him a sense of family and belonging where he had certainly been um, repudiated by, you know, his, his previous Jewish 
fellows and was always uh, not always comfortable in the Christian circles just because he was a convert. With Timothy and his family, he finds a real sense of family uh, in the church. I also like that image of Paul writing, asking Timothy to come visit him, you know, knowing that the end is very likely near for him. Um, Because a lot of times when we think of somebody who is a mentor to us, it's okay, they're going to give and I'm going to receive, and it seems like it's all give for the person who's the mentor, the receiver, you know, that they're just all on, on that receiving end, the mentee, as you, you, you know, put it. Um, but the fact that there is Paul looking and saying, yeah, you can help me, you can give back to me in this capacity here, um, you know, that, that shows that it's not just a all give on one side, all receive on one side, that there is a give and take that can happen, especially as a relationship of friendship blooms there. Absolutely. I mean, there's the old adage about uh, how do you best learn something? Well, you can, you can do it, but more to the point, you can actually teach it. And so any teacher knows that it's not just the quote unquote student that's learning, but even in the process of being able to convey and articulate and communicate knowledge, you yourself get a, a sharper kind of focus and clarity even in, in, the, in the act of, of doing that. So you certainly have that in Paul. And like I said, you really have uh, that's it's such a tender letter. Like you, you said, he, he, he just talks about being filled with joy and recalling the tears. So you think he's, he's imaging Timothy weeping at his departure and he's, you know, in his cell weeping as well. So there's a real, a, most people wouldn't describe the St. Paul as kind of, kind of gentle and kind of affectionate and embracing. Well, you see this side particularly with Timothy. So I think it brings out a, it actually brings out a side of his personality that, that kind of makes him a better human and, and, and kind of the saint that the Lord wanted him to be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you look at the way he kind of gets on Peter's case at one point, he has this falling out with Barnabas and it takes a long time before that ends up getting kind of repaired. Um, So yeah, you really do get this, this uh, different human look at St. Paul that way. Uh, When we look at both Timothy and Titus, you know, as you said, they're both bishops of different churches there in, um, you know, that East Asian uh, or the, the, I'm sorry, the Western Asian area. Um, they have one of the apostles as their mentor. You know, most of us are never going to be a bishop. We're not going to have a bishop as our spiritual mentor. So even looking at that, this idea of spiritual mentorship, you know, is it something that as just an average layperson, I can look and say, okay, do I really, am I going to need this in the same capacity that somebody who is higher up in the church, you know, somebody who is in that ecclesial realm, Am I really going to need this in my life? Yeah, and here we don't even have to even look to, uh, like, even the New Testament. There's a profound uh, wisdom in even, like, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. So if you think of it, Ecclesiastes, which uh, which is, you know, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. So if, if one falls, <laughs> the other will lift up his companion. But it says, this is interesting, Woe to the person who is alone, <laughs> for when he falls, he has no one to help. Him up. So unless we are confident in our ability to be perfect <laughs> or that we never make a mistake or, or, or we'll never fall, uh, the Bible is basically telling us that it's danger zone. <laughs> we need someone else 
both to help us up and someone for whom we are called to help up mutually. So the, the wisdom, and, or even uh, what's, what's the proverb? Iron, as iron sharpens iron. <laughs> so the person uh, who sharpens the countenance of, of his, his friend, his companion. So. Absolutely. Uh, talking with Father Michael Hurley today here on The Inner Life. He's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, talking about those spiritual mentors that we encounter in our lives. And who has been that spiritual mentor for you? How has that person helped you in your faith life? Maybe you've been the mentor for someone else, and how was the Holy Spirit able to work in you to help someone as you guided them? Hopefully, uh, you know, let them see where God might be leading in their life. Maybe you've been lacking that kind of spiritual role model, that guide, and you're wanting to find that person. You're not sure where to start, how to begin, and you'd like to speak with Father Michael, our phone number into the studio here is 888-914-9149, Father, have you had someone in your life, um, maybe a lot of someones, that have uh, you know been that kind of mentor to you spiritually? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you go through your whole life, and you know, there's, there's kind of you put these in different categories. So there's like, you know, family <laughs> who is certainly uh, formative in every way. And then you just have kind of friends that you meet along the way. And then in a particular way, I think uh, kind of spiritual guides. So my, my freshman year of college is where I met a Dominican who had his first year on the campus there. And so it was really with even out knowing it, it wasn't like day one. I was like, oh, I want to be a religious, but just that relationship as it evolved over time. And it's interesting. We're very different personalities. And even to this day, we, we joke that people wouldn't associated us as, you know, kind of mentor mentee, but, but it's, it's just what the Lord wanted. He was that he was the right person at the right time to inspire me to investigate the Dominican life uh, and to really discern it in that way. And then even even in my own uh, ministry, as, as I went through formation and then being ordained a priest, I found myself in a, in a parish as a, as a vicar. And because of uh, the circumstance that the, the pastor had, was no longer able to function there. And so all of a sudden I found myself thrown into being in charge, <laughs> you know, just a couple years after I was ordained and there was a retired priest that, that was there, Father Vic. Uh, and then uh, another retired priest came to help me. And both of them were just like, okay, they were so excited to like show the young buck <laughs> the ropes and to kind of give me just gentle um, pastoral uh, guidance on, on how to be able to, to navigate uh, the role of a pastor. So, so yeah, those are, those are folks that come to mind for me. With both the Dominican you mentioned when you were a freshman in college, as well as this retired priest who helped you <clears throat> as you were kind of entering into that role of being a pastor yourself, were there... Were, were they were they just nice and patient and allowed you to come to them and ask for those things, or were there certain things maybe they did that helped you? You know, they they saw where you maybe needed a little assistance, and they were proactive in that, or were they always just kind of reactive, just saying, "No, it's all right." You know, I'll help you when you need it and when you come to me. Yeah, so a little bit of both, and I like. Josh, you point out both sides of it. So I think with the with Father Bart, who was at the the um, chaplain at, at the college, he he had he didn't. It was only afterwards he said the first day I got on campus, he said I was praying for vocations. He, he loves he just and he would he would mention it over and over again. And 
I heard it, but I didn't like apply it personally. It's kind of like the old, <laughs> the old toy story, uh, story where he says, you know, I know man is mortal, Socrates is man, I'm a man. Oh wait, no, I'm mortal? <laughs> like where you apply the, 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 the universal to your own situation. It's like, oh, I'm praying for vocations. I'm praying for, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I have a vocation. Right, I'm praying for and myself, so he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and so that's kind of was, and then once I expressed just the first kind of almost curiosity of like, you know, what would it mean? I, I just remember for the senior year, I said, you know, we've known each other for a while. So he wasn't, he was, he was proactive in terms of prayer around it and making a general invitation. And then once I expressed an interest, uh, then he was, he was really, he was super excited. And, and then uh, Father Vic, who is, um, and Father Paul, who were with me at, uh, in St. Dominic's, uh, they they really at that point they kind of took since I I had the responsibility without perhaps uh, the experience or, or the knowledge I needed they were very much uh, kind of proactive and say giving uh, giving <laughs> giving advice and support uh, and uh, kind of helping to guide me in that way but but not in a way where they took the thing I appreciate is none of them took over and said oh I'll just do it myself they said you want to think about doing it this way or if I did something they're like you know what I would have done it this way or they encouraged me and said that was a home run right so just just their feedback in terms of what was happening was just meant the world to me. Uh, that's beautiful. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley today here on The Inner Life, a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, and taking your phone calls as we talk about those mentors, those spiritual mentors that we have in our lives. Who has that been for you? Maybe you've been in that role as a mentor for someone else, and how did God use you to uh, help that other person? maybe a few different people, on their spiritual journey. Maybe you have a question about being able to find that person who is the right, uh, you know, that, that right person to come alongside and help you as you're going through some difficulties spiritually, maybe some uh, uncertain times, and you'd like some advice from Father Michael. Our phone number again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com, and we're going to continue our conversation momentarily. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. All right, welcome back to The Inner Life. And again, that phone number you just heard right there, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, so, Father, as we're talking about spiritual mentorship here today, there's two different aspects to this. There, there's There's the side where... We have a mentor, someone who is helping us on our spiritual journey, and then there's the other side where we're the one being the mentor and helping someone else in their spiritual journey. Maybe we can start with the first one there. If I'm someone who I feel like, oh, I, I have so much I could learn, and there's so much I want to you know, do and grow in my faith, I don't feel like I have that mentor in my life, where do I start? 
No, it's, it's a good question because I think all of us in some ways need, as I mentioned before, some kind of companionship, someone who can help us to just be an encourager, someone who can kind of believe in us and rally us, someone who can promote our spiritual growth. And uh, the first thing to say, uh, as, as we always do, <laughs> is if there's something that's missing or we need uh, help in, we pray for it. That's <laughs> so right. if we feel like we, we, don't, we don't have a spiritual mentor, it's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> send me somebody. <laughs> I'm open, I'm, I'm here, I'm available, and I'm, I'm searching. And the Lord, the Lord tends to a- answer uh, you know, prayers like, you know, come Holy Spirit, or, or come, come Lord into my life. He, he loves those prayers of invitation, uh, not necessarily declaration where we tell God what, we, <laughs> what he has to do for us. So if we're, if we're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm opening my heart to be mentored. And it may be, though, that as we kind of mentioned before, it's not necessarily one person, <laughs> Or not even, I'll just even propose this, not even a person who's living. So this is where like reading the lives of the saints. I know last time uh, I was able to be on the show, we talked about spiritual reading, right? And so I count amongst my mentors, uh, Francis de Sales, (laughs) St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, uh, these, these writers who really open up their heart to their relationship with God and inspire me and give good example and and uh, in a sense our mentors even though you know the, the the hope is that we're reunited one day with our Lord but but aren't even physically present so so I would say to be you got to be uh, you got to pray about it and then you're looking for someone and that person might be how to put it might be a companion who you interact with in a daily way it might be someone that the Lord just brings into your life for a moment around a particular question or decision that has to be made, or it might be just that sense of spiritual reading or that mentorship that the saints and the, the doctors of the church have brought and give to us by our tradition. Well, and, you know, that person in our life for a short time, you know, I, I've never outright sought for a spiritual mentor. And we, and we kind of mentioned that earlier, you know, for me, they've always seemed to come into my life at whatever appropriate time, even if I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't see at the moment that this was an appropriate time. And then it's only for a season, but I was never actively looking for someone to be in that role for me. Do you think that's a pretty typical experience that it's just, you know, God, God will guide that person and we probably are going to be a bit oblivious to it because we don't necessarily recognize where God is leading and how he's going to work in our lives through that person. Um, you know that he—he's the only one who really sees that. Absolutely, no. I think I, I think this is where prayer helps us too, because prayer uh, certainly is the the way God uses to intervene in our lives. But it also just the act of praying opens our awareness of what what God's doing that we're maybe missing or we're blind to, right? So it puts us in that receptive state to be aware of where God is actually working, and we're not quite either getting it or not. I mean, I think of, I'll just give a quick example from the scriptures where he's not exactly a mentor, but David is, is you know, is, has been conquered by, you know, Absalom, his son, and he's out there. There's the, the there's someone who is telling, uh, you know, uh, David and kind of trash talking him as he leaves the city saying, this is what you, this is what you get for all your, your iniquity, uh, you know, and how you treated the family of Saul and, you know, Bathsheba and so forth. And, and they're like, oh, let's get rid of this guy. And, and David says, no, this guy's actually, he's, he's actually mentoring me right now. He's actually telling me that I need to humble myself a bit. So he, he took, he was able to take that critique in stride, even though that wasn't necessarily a lifelong mentor. That was a spiritual guide for the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, one other thing might be good to talk about here too, is that 
we might see some overlap with other relationships. Um, one that I'm thinking is somebody who is a, an, a, a defined spiritual director that we are seeing. The other might be just a, simply a good Catholic or Christian friend. And while there can be definite similarities between these different relationships, can you maybe help us differentiate, you know, where a friendship, you know, it, of course it can bleed into that role of a mentor, but what's the difference between a spiritual friend, a spiritual mentor, and a true spiritual director? Yeah, and you're going to get a Dominican answer here. <laughs> so when we talk about spiritual direction, for a Dominican, that includes um, like the, usually the, the sacrament of reconciliation, of sure. our confessor. Right, so because uh, we, we, we believe that um, uh, that's the kind of Ignatian model or kind of the, those kind of models of like direction where you have, you know, a priest or religious or someone who's kind of uh, has a sense of um, a spiritual experience and wisdom kind of directs someone's kind of step by step. That, that's not exactly the Dominican way of doing things. We believe that in formation through the community, through more like distinguishing between kind of like a, the community or the, uh, the, the association of friends and, and family and folks that you actually kind of day to day live with that help to help you to lead you to holiness and, and kind of exchange of virtue. So I would say for, from a Dominican perspective, spiritual direction has uh, a connection to the sacramental life. So access to God's mercy, particularly through confession and penance. Um, on the other hand, then that's going to be a little bit different than spiritual friendship, where there'll be that exchange of goods uh, to folks that are just basically trying to get to heaven, and then they're there. And, and I'll mention here uh, as well, uh, for anyone who's married, <laughs> your spouse is <laughs> your mm, deepest, most foundational relationship towards salvation. And so even though I take for granted, it's like, okay, we're married, but I, I often find that even folks who are you know, deeply Catholic and practicing in every way, and they, they pray with each other, uh, they don't always instinctually uh, open their heart and pray for each other in, in a daily way, in a specific way. And so it, perhaps uh, for those who are listening who are, you know, who are married and you're, if you're looking for a spiritual mentor, mentee, that, that sense of friendship, that sense of sacrament that's already there. Um, and it, certainly not everyone's in the same place in terms of um, kind of faith with their spouse, but that can be such a rich relationship. That's really the foundation of salvation. So, well, and you know, that that's, that's one of those things where I think it can get a little tricky too, where you, yeah, you want to make sure that, if your spouse needs your support, of course you're offering that support, but you also don't want to always be the one who's feeling like you have to support them because there is that give and take in that relationship. You know, you, you talked about in your religious community, it's the the people there that are helping you grow in holiness. And so yeah, there, there should be that give and take, not just one person who's always kind of the... Um, I don't want to say, you know, subservient or secondary to the other person, but, but you know, that, that while there might be areas that they can help us grow and get better, we don't look at them as a primary mentor in the way that, that we're not giving back to them. Does that make sense, Father? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously your family and, and your your spouse, gonna you know, there's going to be a sense in which sometimes you need a, a different <laughs> perspective, someone who can really kind of give you advice from just a more like a indirective way that might not be able to even be received by a spouse. You know, sometimes you're too close to the situation right. Right, <laughs> to be helpful, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I, I find this with like folks who, you mentioned RCIA in your own experience, you know, lots of couples who one person is Catholic, the other is not. And the Catholic person is really kind of saying, okay, you know, you could do this, you could be Catholic. And you can tell that even though it might happen, you want to tell the other person, no, just let them, <laughs> it's okay if they don't become Catholic this year, <laughs> you know, we're just, they, we can stay connected, stay praying together, but it's not for you to tell your spouse that, you know, you kind of direct them in this way towards, towards, towards the faith. It's just, you keep being you and, and let other folks, perhaps, you know, members of RCA or the pre, myself, the priest or someone else, be someone who can kind of answer questions that perhaps might be more difficult for a spouse to do. Talking with Father Michael Hurley today on The Inner Life. Again, our phone number here if you'd like to join the program, 888-914-9149. Who has been that spiritual mentor in your life, that person that has helped you understand how God is leading, how he might be speaking to you? Or maybe you've been that mentor for someone else. The Holy Spirit has worked in your life, allowing you to help someone in their spiritual journey. Uh, how did that go? What what happened there? And how would you encourage others if they're saying, well, God might be leading me into this? What are some things that worked? Maybe what are some, some mistakes you made along the way that helped you learn that you wouldn't want to repeat and you'd offer that advice to somebody else? Maybe you are looking for that spiritual a friend, that mentor in your life, and you just don't seem to be able to make any progress, and you'd like some advice from Father Michael Hurley, our phone number again, 888-914-9149, Father, going to take another break, but when we come back, let's talk about when we are in that role of being the mentor, what that entails, the importance of understanding what we're doing as we're helping guide somebody else. And we'll talk about that coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And again, that phone number, 888-914-9149. As today, talking with Father Michael Hurley. He is the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Our phone number again, 888-914-9149. Talking today about spiritual mentors in our lives, how they help us. Maybe you've been that mentor for someone else, and we'd love to hear your story. Maybe you have a question about how that role of spiritual mentorship is supposed to play out in our lives, and you're welcome to speak with Father Michael Hurley, 888-914-9149. Father, during the break, I was talking with my producer, Nick, and we had seen the, uh, the, the new... Um, chat GPT, the new artificial intelligence that's being used in so many different capacities right now as people are experimenting with it. And 
uh, I mentioned to Nick, I said, oh, I just typed into that this morning. What are some good examples of spiritual mentors? Uh, just to see what it would come back with. And it gave me things like uh, the Dalai Lama and Oprah Winfrey. And so I said, oh, okay. Uh, Well, what are some good examples of Christian spiritual mentors? And I got Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa. So, yeah, it's very general, very broad. And you you have to be extremely specific. I I should have asked probably Catholic spiritual mentors. But um, yeah, so little by little, I guess it'll probably improve and get better in its answers there. Um, have you well, messed well, around with the, the, the J- chat GPT yet? Yeah, fun fact, I've answered all these questions Every by actually one. entering to do it. <laughs> I just have been entering your, your questions and I've just really been just dictating everything <laughs> from the chat GTP on this interview so far. Very nice, very but, nice. No, no, so no, I, I have actually, and it's it's interesting because you, you know, I, I, I fooled around with, I, I did, I said, write an argument for the, the, um, the existence of, uh, of God in the language of St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, of course, he has his five proofs, but it kind of summarized the proofs, and then I said, analyze this, and it had to, to give a whole shot out a little different analysis. And then I said, well, write a story of someone who, <laughs> who believe, you know, who comes to believe in God this way, and it wrote out a little story. So it was, it was interesting. Oh yeah, it, it is. I asked around. it to write a song in the style of the Beatles. It wasn't a oh, very go. good song. I no. think the more artistic or abstract you get, the the less it can do. But. Um, I- Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still fun to play around with. Well, it's, uh, it's coming. AI is coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, well, getting back to our conversation here about spiritual mentorship. Again, our phone number eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Father Ben is listening to us in Kansas City, Missouri. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the Inner Life. You're on the air. Hello, Father Michael. It's Ben. <laughs> ben, how are you? <laughs> Good to hear you. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. <laughs> Better very now that well, I hear I your voice. To, uh, I just wanted to thank Father Michael for being my spiritual advisor for many years, uh, particularly before I moved to Kansas City. Uh, I just it, it, Having a really good spiritual person is number one on the list for uh, having a spiritual advisor in my, my, uh, my uh, estimation. In fact, I went from just, you know, Joe Catholic in diaconate program in San Francisco, and then moved, and now I'm in the diaconate program for Kansas City, Missouri. That's beautiful, Ben. I'm so glad you called in to share, and, uh, you know, that's one of those things, too, I think is so typical when somebody has that, you know, you talked about that, that spiritual mentor father being somebody who can kind of come alongside you, cheerlead you, uh, you know, help you to see where God is working. And the fact that it then leads to someone like Ben saying, okay, not only is my own spiritual journey, my own relationship with God impacted by this, but this makes me want to then give back. I want to see how I can help others. And so now he's entering into this uh, mode of service within the church in the diaconate so that he can then offer that sort of help to others. Yeah, and, and you know it's interesting. Uh, thanks, Ben, for for calling. Um, when it was wanted to go back to that earlier uh, little story that I was telling about when I was uh, kind of thrust into the role of pastor. One of uh, Father Vic, uh, 
Victor basically told me, he says, you know, if, if, you're, if you're doing good work, if you're doing the Lord's work, there's going to be naturally others who want to join in the ministry, right? So you're always going to have a sense in which others get excited and they themselves to begin to bear good fruit. And it was so it was my first year of being um, kind of in charge where I just was able to kind of see and got to know uh, someone who was interested in, in kind of joining the ministry and ultimately uh, was able to discern that they wanted to be um, a permanent deacon. And so I, as I was reflecting, just as I called it, it made me reflect that I think anywhere I've been pastor now for the last what, 10 years or 12 years, I've always had at least one person who is in formation for the permanent diaconate. And I think it's because I just naturally, you look for folks and you're open to uh, helping folks to see how God is calling them. And so as, as a priest, there's nothing more um, joy-filled <laughs> than being able to have folks respond and say, I want to, you, you know what you're doing? <laughs> I want to be part of that. And you're like, come on, come on board. Let's see what the Lord has for you. Uh, Father, another question that came in from somebody who couldn't hold on the line, but yeah. asking, can your guardian angel be your spiritual advisor? Seems like it might be kind of going into that same realm of what you talked about with some of the saints, you know, but with the saints, we have a lot of writings, you know, that they have given us, whether it's a personal diary, whether it's, you know, some actual uh, theological writing that they've published, but with a guardian angel, we don't necessarily have that. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of our prayers to our guardian angel, developing a relationship with our guardian angel, being aware that we're not, as St. Paul says, just dealing with flesh and blood, but there's principalities and powers. There's a whole, if you will, dimension of the spiritual life that is, in a sense, at a parallel universe, you know, happening along with us in a parallel universe. So, so there's a way in which interacting with that is certainly appropriate in, in a healthy, prayerful way. But I would add a little caution that it's going to be, when we talk to our guardian angel, when we kind of open our heart and pray, we want to really not um, delve too far away from what we know to be true. I'll put it that way. In other words, we have our you know traditional prayers to our guardian angel. We can certainly ask for their inspiration, their delight to guard, to rule and guide, and anything in that category. But, but I have to say, I, I do a little bit of just a little note of caution that if, if, you, if you start kind of, kind of investigating a particular, um, how to put it, uh, um, uh, kind of new age kinds of practices, sometimes open yourself up to the spiritual life in, in a way that's not specifically uh, protected by our Lord, Our Lady, St. Michael, those, those uh, kind of powerful patrons we have. You just want to be kind of careful that you, you don't bring a lot of yourself into it or get swept up in a little curiosity that, that, that might not be spiritually helpful. But in general, I would say spiritual, your, your guardian angel can be a wonderful, it's got to be part of the team. It's got to be part of your, your uh, team of accompaniment towards salvation. Right. Well, let's, uh, let, let's talk about those of us who are, you know, maybe older, more mature in our faith. And while it's very easy for us to, you know, just be very self-focused, you know, looking at our own spiritual journey, how do I know if God is asking me to possibly be that person that accompanies or mentors someone else in the faith? Yeah, no, and what actually comes to mind, first of all, especially if you're saying to someone, you know, who's only if you have family, um, I find as, as a priest, I do lots of baptisms, and I can't tell you how hard it is for parents who want a, a godparent <laughs> that's not just a kind of ceremonial thing like oh just this is someone who is part of the family but um but being a godparent <laughs> and being willing to take that role on 
and to really truly be involved in the life of of of, of you know the family member or whoever your godparent to uh, is just a tremendous uh, way to engage that sense of your own spiritual life and praying for mentoring and uh, kind of living a f- living your faith as a good example for their formation. You know, that, that also, I guess, as you're saying, it, it can be difficult for parents to find that godparent, you know, somebody who will take that active lead in the life of the child there. I think a lot of us might say, well, I'm not the one who should be teaching anybody anything. You know, what if I am that, I, I just feel so ill-equipped to be that sort of mentor for someone. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Even for myself, let me just, I'll just, <laughs> full confession here. You know, when people are like, oh, Father Michael's my spiritual director, there's part of me that says, shoot, I wish I could direct my own spiritual life better. Like, who am I to like tell you what, you know, what, what to do in that way? But, but so, in other words, but that's a false humility. That, that's, that's simply the devil saying, uh, letting our expectation of what has to be perfect get in the way of God's grace and his goodness, right? So that's a temptation. So what I would say to those who have that and say in sense even to myself in that way is that the Lord wants to work through you and you don't need to have, as as kind of going back to your uh, initial story, you don't need to have all the answers, so to speak, in order to enter the Catholic Church. You don't need all the answers to be a spiritual mentor or a director for someone in that way. You simply have to love the Lord and want to share that love with others, either by not even what you say, but just how you live, right, and how you interact with others. Can you also talk about the responsibility that this does entail, though? And I I don't want to scare somebody off, you know, from considering and praying about whether God is asking them to step into this role of guiding, accompanying, mentoring someone in their spiritual journey. But at the same time, we don't want to take that lightly either. Um, St. James, in the third chapter of his letter to the New Testament, he writes about how very few of us should seek out being teachers of the faith because those teachers... Uh, they're going to be judged more strictly by God. Yeah, no, there, there is there's definitely a responsibility in feeling the, the, the burden of that. But the wonderful thing is that if God's calling you to it, he'll give you the grace to do it. That's what I, that's, that's always my, my great uh, consolation. In other words, if we're, if we're hung up on like, I don't know if I can do this, we'd say, Lord, give me the strength to do it if you want me to do it, right? <laughs> Lead me in, in that way. And then to really take it, as you say, to, to, to not just... Um, Take it as just a kind of ceremonial thing. I was thinking particularly of, of godparents here, but to to really have and develop that sense of uh, connection you have, because once again we learn by example, right? When we're when we're young, you know, we, we we no one teaches us how to talk. We just live and 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 as our family, we begin to say words, right? So too with the faith, if we have good examples around us and we can be that good example naturally, or almost by uh, example, or by uh, almost. Uh, mimetic desire there's that sense of, of of passing along the faith to the next generation you know one of the other things that comes to mind I uh, person I know he uh, did life coach kind of work um, you know he, he would he would do self-help different kind of conferences and he would bring the faith into a lot of his presentations and he said to me at one point, he said, you know, Josh, anybody who gets into this kind of work and they they want to do it for themselves, you know, there's an ego there and they want to just uh, acquire 
kind of the fame and the notoriety that goes along with being up, you know, in front of a big crowd and talking. He said they typically are the least successful people. And it makes me think that, you know, he said it, it's it's the people who don't try and seek out being in front of crowds. They're the ones who usually are the more successful in that kind of uh, life coach, that that professional development area that he worked in, it makes me think that if we have that reluctance in our own selves that, okay, I, I don't want to do this, you know, I don't have that ego that <laughs> I'm looking to try and be a mentor for someone, but it seems like God really is leading me there. That's where God can work the best in us anyway to help somebody else. Absolutely. Father Barta had a freshman year said, oh, I, I notice in you a signs of vocation. I'm going to take you under my wing. And, and then I would have, I think I naturally would have been like, who, who are you? What are you up to? Right. <laughs> like I would have, that would have been a, it would have been a shut door at that point, but just praying for vocations, just allowing it and ready to respond to the invitation. I think the best spiritual mentors or directors are one who uh, allow the, in, the moment to invite them rather than, <laughs> take in a sense the initiative to have to kind of not be bossy or be you know to take 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 the uh, the initiative. What would you say to somebody? You mentioned the role of of a godparent there um, a few moments ago. If somebody says, you know, I feel like God is is asking me to be that mentor to someone, you know, like a godparent to that god child, but that younger person, they have. It seems like they have zero interest in the faith. They are definitely not welcoming me into that mentor role. Any advice on how they might be able to approach that, what they might be able to do in that situation? Yeah, obviously every particular situation is going to be different. It's going to be unique again, to a degree, yes. Yeah, absolutely. but but, but the, the, the main, the core things are you're, you're praying about it and you're living it yourself, right? And so if 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 you say, Lord, if you want me to do this, open, open the moment for me to just offer. Right. And so anytime, so I, I, I'll put it this way from my experience, there are more people looking for godparents than godparents looking to be godparents. I'll put it that way. And so simply the invitation of, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm available. I, I'd like to, I'm any way I can help, you know, that's, that's something that just in general doesn't uh, fall on deaf ears. Uh, we started off talking about, because this is the memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus, talked about their relationship with St. Paul as their spiritual father, their spiritual mentor, and a good place to start maybe if we're saying, okay, how can you use me, God, in that role of mentoring someone else, is to go and read the letters, the the two letters that St. Paul writes to Timothy, the one that he writes to Titus. Um any other spiritual reading you might recommend that would be a good example of how someone could learn a little bit more of how to approach that mentorship in a good, uh, positive fashion? Yeah, no, there's, there's, I mean, there's incredible writings as we talked about when we talked about, um, uh, you know, kind of just the spiritual life in general. But uh, I was, I was actually reading the uh, the Francis de Sales, the tree. Tri- he has the introduction of the devout life, but he also has little sermons that he gives to the Visitation Sisters, the order he founded, on um, the treatise on love, right? Which is just, just a little excerpt from it. And there he, because he's talking to religious, and so he's talking about loving God, and he, it's almost as if. He's telling them by their example, right? Both he's a mentoring them, but he's allowing them to be the ones who are going to, in a sense, pray for him to encourage him. So 
can't go wrong with the sales. He's always he's always a, a, a favorite for me. Beautiful. Father, we've got about 20 seconds left. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace and joy. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you so much, Thanks. Father Michael Thanks, Hurley. Sir. Yeah, good to talk with you, and we'll talk again soon. And hope you can join us here on The Inner Life tomorrow. It's going to be a great conversation as we talk about how a very difficult topic, how do you accompany that family member dealing with same-sex attraction? We'll look at the difficulty in that and give you some good answers.